your business has big goals, you need more than just another vendor. You need a true partner who cares about your deal as much as you do. At PropLogix, we provide time-saving due diligence services from title searches to HOA research, lien searches, and more. Our team will go out of their way to ensure you're supported, and our reports are backed by our Six Sigma quality assurance approach. PropLogix, getting you to the closing table with confidence. A new episode of Title Talks starts now. It seems that everywhere you turn, there's a new scam that tries to defraud home buyers, sellers, and closing professionals out of massive amounts of money. First, it's wire fraud that targets buyers, then it's payoff fraud that targets closing professionals and sellers, and now there's a new fraud growing that may be the most sophisticated of them all, seller impersonation fraud. Today's guest knows all about thwarting fraud attempts. His name is Tyler Adams, and he's the co-founder and CEO of Certified, spelled like Certif ID. He and his company are leading the way to safer transactions for all, and he's going to explain the ins and outs of this latest scam and how you can help spot and stop these fraudsters. I'm Lindsay Gordon, and this is Title Talks. Hey, Tyler, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Lindsay, appreciate you having me. So today we're talking about seller impersonation fraud. Um, I know that title professionals are probably um, tired of hearing about different kinds of fraud, um, but uh, it, this is obviously a very important topic, and I know that we're seeing more and more of it all the time, especially as people become a little bit more desperate as the market, you know, kind of is still in this kind of standstill in terms of mortgage rates and a lot of things, you know, just not moving the way we're used to. So um, it's a really important topic. So first, if you want to just give us a little bit of background on yourself and your company. Yeah, Lindsay, no, I really appreciate having me. And uh, you hit on some interesting points in that opening because uh, there are a lot of people that I feel like are tired about talking about fraud or hearing about it. In fact, I was talking to uh, a gentleman recently came in through our fraud recovery services hotline and he said, man, running a title agency in 2023 is just so hard. He said, it's such a different job today than it ever was before. And I just never knew that I was going to be put in this situation uh, of having to defend every transaction from bad actors. Uh, and so, you know, we started certified back in 2017 uh, and we started because we saw this coming uh, and had predicted that by way of my co-founder, Tom Cronkright, getting hit with a bad wire fraud, uh, we just suspected that uh, these criminals were going to find other openings and opportunities to continue to expand their reach. And it's exactly what sort of unfolded over the last few years, uh, especially fueled with the pandemic. Uh, and so now we stand today as certified uh, and it's okay. Certified ID is, is how it's mentioned a number of times as well. And I think it's interesting, especially for our conversation today, is because we founded with the intent of knowing that identity verification and validation of people involved in a transaction is core to preventing fraud. And so the whole ethos of certified was to make sure that anyone who's going to be moving money for a real estate transaction 
could be verified and then trusted uh, to ensure that no one's going to get tricked into sending money to a fraudulent party. Um, but even with sort of a hunch that this was a space that would evolve, I don't think we ever anticipated that we'd be, you know, as far along as we are today with the robustness and sophistication of the scams and just the prevalence of them uh, throughout the industry. So uh, happy to be here today and, and to be able to share what I know so far and, and how we're starting to, you know, hopefully prevent this new newest uh, scam that we see uh, in market today. Yeah. So um, I, I just saw a report that, that came out that talks about specifically payoff fraud, um, that it was up five times over quarter one in quarter two. So um, like, wh what do we know about like the climate right now that makes it such um, a tough time in terms of like trying to fend off uh, fraudsters? Yeah. So you mentioned it at the beginning. It's you know, although that the market might have some cyclical nature and, you know, due to interest rates, there might be less transactions that are taking place, um, but fraud hasn't gone down. So, you know, in fact, it's gone up, which also then means that the likelihood of the transaction that you're about to do being a potential target for fraud is significant. And so, uh, that's kind of the, the scary nature of it right now is that fraudsters aren't slowing down and there's just less transactions for them to target. So your likelihood of being targeted is a lot greater. Uh, payoffs we've seen for the last few years be a pretty targeted type of transaction. Um, but the sophistication and the frequency has just grown significantly. So, you know, we have launched a product at the end of last year called Payoff Protect, and we've been uh, able to support uh, a ton of agents this year with this new product, um, but it's it's blown our mind. I mean, we're catching, uh, on average, I think it's three payoff frauds a week right now, where somebody has manipulated, doctored, somehow gotten into the middle of the transaction, and an agent is sitting there about to send money for a payoff, and utilizing our services to validate it, coming to find out that it's in fact fraud and that had they sent those funds, uh, they would have landed in the hands of a criminal. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's scary on the payoff side as well. I think um, what's central to kind of understanding this is to sort of define like the different types of fraud that we know of right now. And then we'll kind of get a little bit more into like the specifics of seller impersonation fraud. So what everyone sort of recognizes and has seen like in the landscape for a while is wire fraud. So like kind of broadly define what wire fraud is. Yeah. So we at Certified define wire fraud simply as in the act of making a transaction, whether that's inbound or outbound for a title company or who is ever acting as escrow. Uh, those funds being diverted to a bad actor. Uh, that's sort of like the broadest category that, that we um, put wire fraud under. With payoff fraud, I remember I was at a, um, uh, a conference with Tom. We have a video from, I think it was 2018. We were at Alta and he was talking about payoff fraud. And I feel like it was kind of like the beginning of um, that like that big wave. So how how is payoff fraud um, uh, like enacted? How does that work? Yeah. 
So I'll, I'll actually, I'll go back a little bit and say that there's, there's really like three main frauds that we see most predominantly today that, that we're supporting. So the first is anything buyer related. So buyers are getting tricked, are getting reached out to and communicated with by bad actors trying to push their cash to close payments to fraudulent accounts. You've got a whole host of people that have never gone through a real estate transaction, or even if they have, it's been seven or 10 years and the title company, they don't even know what a title company does, much less you know what their email and communication styles are like. There's just no muscle memory. So they're getting tricked by bad actors impersonating title companies or real estate agents and saying, hey, you're gonna miss out on this home if you don't send your money now to this account. So that's sort of bucket number one. Uh, bucket number two is anything disbursement related, but we'll stick to payoffs. So payoffs have become, you know, the biggest one due to the size and volume uh, of those dollars. And so, you know, you you pull off one payoff fraud, and you're talking about a windfall of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on average that you could be generating, you know, as a as a criminal. And so we see that type of fraud mostly by way of impersonating uh, the, the lender. And so they have somehow manipulated mortgage payoff statements. We've seen fraudulent e-faxes. We've seen fraudulent you know, emails impersonating uh, the lender. We've seen fraudulent phone numbers where people are doing callback procedures as they've been told to do to protect their funds, uh, only to be calling a fraudulent sort of crime ring that have people that sound just like the lenders uh, saying, yep, those are the those are the wiring instructions, go ahead and send your funds. And then the last one is more on seller disbursements, which we've obviously seen a wave of and, and why you and I are, are talking specifically today. So I'll hold off on that one a little bit, but those are really like the three main buckets. But payoffs, I mean, man, it's just so lucrative, you know, to, to be able to get that kind of money um, from one bad uh, scam is, is why we think that they've been so heavily targeted. Yeah. And, and a lot of the, the ways that people might go about like with the phone number or with a, you know, like a, they're like spoofing portals. I remember that being a thing too, is that like, yeah, you know, it looks like, it looks like maybe you're on the lender site and it's not, you know, necessarily obviously, you know, like they're very sophisticated in the way they can like trick people. Um, so, well, and so with payoffs too. I mean, the lenders haven't made it easy. Like I, I feel for the folks who work at title companies all day and are having to do this because, you know, even as part of our payoff protect tool, we actually take on any of the manual verification process. So we have a, an ability to automatically validate you know, 90% of payoffs in market today. But then we do also have a team that handles some of the verification process. And so we've we've lived and act and feel that pain. I mean, you can be on the phone for 45 minutes, you can get rerouted five times, you can be told that they can't do the verification over the phone. And, and all we're trying to do is make sure that the money's gonna go to their account, right? And that they're gonna get their, their appropriate funds. Uh, and it's just amazing how difficult that can be. Yeah. And, and I know, you know, we, we're kind of in that space that, that post closing space too. And, uh, I know like with private lenders, it makes it, it like adds a whole nother layer of complication because sometimes they're really tough to get a hold of, you know? So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So talk about then seller impersonation fraud. How, how does this work? 
Yeah, so seller impersonation fraud uh, has become sort of the, the, the hot fraud of this year that we've seen. It's not the first time that we've ever seen it, but it certainly feels like it has a whole new level of sophistication. So the steps that we're sort of seeing that lead to the fraud are effectively, you know, a vacant land uh, or piece of property is going up for sale. Uh, and it's typically being done in a remote setting. So they're saying that they're a remote seller, you know, they wanna sell this piece of land. They typically come in through some sort of like online search or lead service um, and they find a real estate agent, they let them know, hey, I'd like to list this piece of property for sale. Um, one of the big red flags is that it's almost always below list price. So real estate agents will get pretty excited about that, thinking, hey, if they're willing to sell it for list because they just wanna make a quick buck, it's great for me. I should be able to sell this property relatively quickly for them. And so everyone's guard starts to come down a little bit, at least previously. I think hopefully as more education happens, that should actually be the red flag that we all look for. Um, and then, you know, they work with that agent and they try to get it up listed as quickly as possible and then are willing to accept offers. They like to get all cash if they can, but won't negotiate much. Uh, so, you know, immediate first offer that comes in, we're typically seeing that they're accepting. Uh, and then what they'll do is they'll request a remote notary um, and they will, you know, make every excuse that there is to not have to meet somebody in person uh, to be able to complete the transaction. Um, and so that's sort of like the mechanics of what we've seen as far as the steps go. Uh, but the sophistication has been unbelievable. So, I mean, we're seeing true fake IDs generated, um, fully impersonating the, the lawful seller. I'm sure you've seen some of the news articles where people have come home to vacant land uh, that they own that now have homes built on top of it. Uh, so these frauds are getting carried through all the way through closing, all the way through, you know, actual somebody building land on it. Um, and yeah, it's pretty frightening uh, to say the least. And it's also very unclear right now, you know, where all the liability lies, who's really responsible, how do you undo something like this if it does take place? Um, but I'm happy to go into detail on any of those because I've, I've got examples <laughs> and uh, different pieces of all of it. Yeah, I was gonna say, so um, typically are they, so they're, they're, per, or they're selling this land to an unsuspecting person buyer who's like a legitimate buyer who's thinking oh i'm getting this great deal um and then so those people are then building homes and then reselling it like how how does that kind of carry on through like the chain yeah i mean so you know fortunately we've helped to to stop a number of these um but they have gotten there so you know we the the bulk of the scam is being take is taking place where these crime rings and what's scary about this is that you have to imagine the average person who's involved in this would think like, oh, someone is legitimately going impersonating a seller and then they're going and they're trying to sell the land and make the proceeds. That's not actually how it works. So we are very confident that there is a very sophisticated, organized crime that's taking place. The people who are actually impersonating the seller are most likely money mules. So these are people that have been scanned, ha have been scammed themselves or, you know, are signing up online for make $5,000 fast or make $10,000 fast. Here's how you're going to do it. 
and then they're given instructions. So they're literally getting a fake ID in the mail and they're being told, hey, this is what you need to say and this is what you need to do. And that person is then showing up with a real estate agent or over the phone and saying, you know, my name is Tyler Adams and I own this piece of land at, you know, 123 Lake Drive. And I know that it says on market that it should be worth $400,000. I want to sell it for 200, but I need it fast because life has changed and we got to move on. And next thing you know, the real estate agent saying, okay, great. That sounds like a, you know, a good story and that's fine. And you can show me your ID and it says that you're Tyler Adams. And that's what it says on the deed that you own this piece of property. And okay, let's go. Um, and so, that's sort of what's happening in the upfront. And one of the reasons why we know some of this is because we've actually seen the same money mule being utilized to impersonate multiple pieces of land oh. uh, with multiple different IDs. Uh, and we've also seen like a really high contingency of these in a couple different regions of the United States where we just know uh, that, you know, it is a lot more organized um, than we, we had previously uh, imagined. But if they're successful, you know, these are going all the way through closings. Title companies have, you know, gone through and accepted and said, okay, well, the real estate agent I've worked with before, you know, I've never had an issue. It says it's been notarized, like guard is down. Let's just do the deal and move on. Uh, and on the back end is where, yeah, it's very unclear as to how some of these have taken place and, and how they will get unwound because you do have a buyer, they've paid, they believe they own the land now. In some cases, they've begun building properties on the land, but you have a seller that says, hey, I was actually the seller, but that was my land and I didn't, and, and the fraudster's gone and they've taken the money. Yeah. So who is you know, at fault here and who is gonna be held responsible? And then how do you unwind that? Um, very, very difficult and, and the courts haven't really been involved. It hasn't gone on long enough mm -hmm. for us to see how some of this might play out. How prevalent is this? You know, I know it's gotten bigger, but like how, how frequently does something like this happen? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. And I think that's the one thing that we always struggle with a little bit as well mm -hmm. is to know, you know, from a statistical perspective. Um, but we did a survey not that long ago and we effectively got, you know, results said 73% of real estate firms have seen an increase in seller impersonation fraud attempts. So I think the way that we had done that is we surveyed, you know, a couple hundred people and they had all, or, or title companies, and 73% of them indicated that they felt as though they had seen an, at least an attempt this year. Uh, and so significant, right? Um, that is a vast majority of folks that are out there that are saying, hey, this fraud is knocking on our doorstep and we've got to be careful if we're not going to get tricked by it too. Yeah, it's particularly nefarious at this time because like real estate agents are probably hungry, you know, and so they're like, here's this great opportunity to, you know, sell something. I can definitely do this. So that's really tough. So you had mentioned some red flags. Um, you said that a, a willingness to sell well under market value. Um, yep. Anything else specifically that like a real estate agent might notice? Yeah, I think the the not willing to meet up or meet in person or make a lot of excuses about why they're, you know, out of state or not able to be a part of the transaction in another way. Also, just the idea of speed. And again, I, I'm glad you said it because it's true. You know, why would anyone who 
could generate an income from a deal moving quickly want to slow it down but we've got to be willing to slow it down otherwise there's going to be a lot more pain uh, in the future or beyond on these particular transactions so just asking a few more questions figuring out why is speed so important for this individual and just kind of treating that as a red flag I think can be really important um, at least at the at the real estate agent level you know when we talk to our title companies and the companies that you know utilize certified on a daily basis we have kind of a different set of, of sort of things for them to think about but you know as a real estate as a new deal comes in really ask that real estate agent to provide like the source of the lead. Where did they come from? Have they verified them? Have they met them in person? Did they have a video call? Like figure out why and how, and then contact the seller directly, like start to begin an intake process. You can ask for a copy of an ID. Sometimes it can at least help you to see, uh, but then you could go a little bit further and you could actually ask a seller for an original title commitment or a closing disclosure. Uh, something that you know a fraudster wouldn't actually have. Uh, or you could even ask for like most recent tax payment receipt or something in that regard. And, and these are things that aren't all that common to be asked for, but in the instances where you know there could be fraud, it's okay to ask and it's okay to slow the deal down a little bit. So we always say like, if you're not using certified, you know, those are the additional steps as a title company, especially that you could go through to try to help prevent this stuff. Um, if you are utilizing our services, then, you know, we can sort of eliminate all of those steps by verifying a, a seller's potential identity uh, early and upfront in the transaction. Yeah, it's tough because, you know, right now it's like we're at this impasse where it's like, let's make everything as efficient and let's automate. Let's, you know, like it's so it's like this, this like duality of like trying to make the transaction go faster while like, you know, like, and it's also tough because if you, you know, obviously that you're the guardian of the transaction, it's really your responsibility to, to take your time. But it's like, there's also a lot of people who are like, I want things now. I want it to happen. Like, I don't understand, you know, like what, you know, so it's tough because you're kind of fighting against like what a lot of people, I mean, like I know trans remote transactions are like they've exploded. So, you know, I mean, they're, yeah. they're not uncommon, you know? No, you're, you're absolutely right. And it is so hard. I mean, uh, we at certified struggle with it as well. Like there's a little bit more friction that goes into utilizing our services, but that friction is really healthy and it's really good, but it requires you to be confident in that conversation and to be confident in saying, hey, we're gonna take care of you, our clients. Uh, you gotta trust us in this. We've seen enough to know that this is a big risk right now and that you getting through this transaction as safely and securely as possible is the most important to us. You know, speed as number two, but they can't be the other way around. Uh, because if speed is number one, uh, you're gonna fall victim at some point and believe me, we've been on the other end of those conversations. I've taken over 300 calls from victims, both title companies, buyers, sellers that didn't receive their funds, and they are devastating. And nobody wants to have to go through that. It's way easier to have a conversation upfront. And sure, are you gonna have you know the one-off client every once in a while that gets super aggravated and upset and doesn't understand why you know we can't just do it fast and easy for them? Absolutely but you have to be willing to sort of let that be, you know, water off your back and continue to move on knowing that 
you really are looking out for the best interests of your business, of your employees, and of all of your clients. We even we say that a lot. Like one of the best things that you can do for your business is just to create a culture where it's okay to slow down. And I think that a lot of people are nervous to think that way of like, oh, well, if I don't give this customer everything that they want and they want me to send the money here or there, they change the wiring instructions or it has to be done yesterday. And they just get so nervous because there's been so much pressure applied on them, both within their company culture, but then also from that client expectation. And the faster we can change that, the faster that, you know, you can have those conversations internally um, and get confident in yourself and in your team that it's okay to slow down, the better off you will be. I promise that can be like one of the number one cultural changes that can help you prevent fraud. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. Um, you know, and I think uh, like a big part of this is education. And so a lot of it is is framing it and messaging it in a way that it's like this, this is why we're here. This is what our role is in the transaction. We're supposed to make sure that everything's going through properly, you know, and everything, um, you know, all the, you know, uh, T's are crossed and I's are dotted. You know, it's really our role to facilitate this and make sure everything's done accurately and and properly. So I think I think it is it's it's I mean like it's such a tough thing that I think uh title professionals are having to juggle for sure. Um you yeah. know I, I was going to ask I know deed fraud is something that we have heard of here and there. I know there's like certain um subscription-based services that like monitor your deed and that sort of thing. Is is it similar to seller impersonation fraud? Is it like a like a, you know, the more broad version of it or how does that compare? Yeah, it's super interesting. I was actually having this conversation last week um, and the classification of how some, because even like seller impersonation fraud, it's like, well, is it vacant land land fraud? Is it seller impersonation fraud? Is it deed fraud? How do we think about it? Um, and so we've really leaned on it as seller impersonation fraud, at least conceptually, because I think, you know, a lot of this is, is marketing in terms of like, how can we make sure that the concept is understood? And I think, you know, with deed fraud, people make this assumption that somebody is going and like changing the name on the deed and then there's more complexity there. Um, that in most cases is almost harder to do than what we're seeing. Seller impersonation fraud is they're not going through the trouble of making those changes in some cases that they do, but they're not going through the trouble of doing that. They're figuring out who is the rightful owner and how do I just make it look like I'm that person because yeah. that person's not around. So how are they going to know that I am or I am not that person? And because of how easy it is to generate a fake ID, how easy it is to create some doctor documents that make it look like, you know, you've lived there before or that you have, um, you, you have had access to that property, they're going the easiest route possible. Uh, and so that's why, you know, I feel like seller impersonation fraud has stuck at least a little bit more from like the branding of it. Uh, and I think rightfully so, because what that's how we want you thinking. And that's how the industry should be thinking about it as there's someone who could be potentially impersonating this seller that's standing right in front of me. And I hope that that's what, you know, the real estate agent community starts to think about as well of, you know, anybody that comes in and is about to, you know, create a deal that could be too good to be true. How can I first think, could this potentially be fraudulent? And it's sad to say, but like we've just gotten to that point, you know, as an industry where that kind of has to be your first default is, 
is this person legitimate? Is this a legitimate opportunity uh, or not? And so um, I, I'm kind of glad that seller impersonation fraud seems to be kind of what's sticking from the overarching uh, branding, if you will, of it, because I think it really does dictate where the biggest problem is and how we need to think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is awesome. I I had no idea like just how um, how sophisticated it was and how like how far something like this can get because you think. Um, you know, with like, oh, well, if maybe if that buyer just got a title search, then like there would have maybe been more like in in the instance, because you had mentioned before um, that most of the time it's like we want cash. We'll, we'll sell it under market value. We want cash. But like in is there ever an instance where there's financing involved? Not that we've seen. Okay. Um, I think that it just gets too complex, right, for them to be able to pull off that fraud. Um, but yeah, not, not that we've seen, I'm not saying that it's not possible, but we, we haven't seen that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's definitely, you know, where like, uh, there's still a role that the title agent is playing and there's still an opportunity for them to spot this and identify it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that that's one of the things, you know, with a, with a payoff fraud, you don't really get a lot of chances, you know, it's title company is looking at a payoff statement and they're either going to verify it and make sure that it goes to the right place. or They're going to make a mistake and it's going to go to the wrong place. And that's that. Yeah. Like there is no other really party involved. I think seller impersonation, you know, there's a real estate agent and we've had brokerages and agents approach us and want to sort of bolster some of their thinking and philosophies around how to stop it. But you at least get one stop of, OK, maybe there's something fishy here. Then when title agencies get it, now they got another opportunity. And I think it's our time to wake up to say like, you know, when something comes, like we immediately just have to start our own process and assume that nothing was done previously. And in some cases, that's what we're seeing some title companies do. They don't care if it's a real estate agent or brokers they've worked with for a hundred years, or if it's a, you know, a vacant land or a, an actual home that's being sold, like they now have bolstered up their processes as well. But you get a second shot, right? And so the title agencies that are starting to take this more seriously are starting to utilize, you know, tools like certified or others that help them in additional verification and validation. Uh, they really they can stop it and they can prevent it. Uh, they just have to know what to look out for and sort of create that culture and change their processes to be prepared for it. Uh, so it does feel like one that, you know, collectively we can solve. Uh, you just have to do a little bit more homework than you used to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so um, is there anything that's going on with you guys over at Certified that you wanted to uh, talk about or? Yeah. So I think, well, one thing I, I always, uh, I try, especially uh, in this space, you know, it feels like we're always talking doom and gloom a little bit, but I do have one fun <laughs> seller impersonation fraud, uh, fraud story. So uh, we actually had one recently where a title company got, pretty sophisticated in the way that they were evaluating it and figuring it out. And uh, there was something that seemed off the seller, you know, who was in fact a fraudulent seller turned out to be uh, was sort of delaying when they were asking for a couple additional pieces of information right at the end of the transaction. I mean, these guys were ready to go, they were ready to fund it, the, the, the buyer had already uh, put in the funds, and they were just trying to disperse them to what was a fraudulent seller. But something like just held them back from doing it they slowed it down a little bit and they did their own research they actually found the legitimate landowner and called him and said 
hey, you know, you haven't responded to our emails. We just want to get it. He's like, well, what are you talking about? What emails? Oh my gosh. I'm not selling my land. It was like a landowner in Louisiana. Uh, and they were like, oh, wow, this really is fraud. We have uncovered this whole thing. But then the, the rightful owner said, uh, wait, hold on. So you're telling me that somebody almost bought my land? How, how much was it for? And they told him, he said, well, you know, they've committed to spending $40,000 to buy this piece of land in, in Louisiana. And he said, well, well, shit, I'll sell it for $40,000. That's great. <laughs> and so he actually ended up selling his land, didn't have the anticipation or had never thought about even putting it up for sale or anything. But these fraudsters had effectively done all know, the work for him. <laughs> didn't have to work for it. And so they ended up actually closing the deal and the buyers got the land and this guy ended up, you know, getting to sell it. So they don't all end that way. Uh, certainly the vast majority of them do not. But it was kind of fun to see one where you thought, all right, well, at least something good came from this before uh, everybody had to unwind it and go backwards. So I oh thought that gosh, that was a fun yeah. one to share. Oh, man, that's amazing. I mean, really, like the buyer in, in any situation where the title company has discovered fraud, they're probably like, thank God, you know, like that we didn't get yeah. into this and, and who the, you know, the validity of our ownership would, you know, be in complete question. I'm really curious to see like if and when courts do get involved in like who the buck stops with in this situation too, like who yeah. who's out and who's making it right, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have our hunches, but I, I agree. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how it, how it, uh, unfolds. Yeah. Awesome. Well, so how can people, um, like follow along with what your company is doing and like learn more about this? Yeah. So, um, you can always follow us. We, we put out a lot of content on our certified LinkedIn and we have a pretty active, uh, blog that we publish quite a few articles on. We also host a webinar every single month called To Catch a Fraudster. Uh, so we'd welcome anybody to come and join along on that. Uh, and yeah, uh, the, the year ahead looks awesome for certified. So we continue to invest really heavily in product and in engineering, especially. Uh, this fraud problem is unfortunately not going away. Uh, and so we are just laser focused on wanting to be the company that can help you go back to running your business uh, and enable us to make sure that it's not going to be taken away because of a, a fraud. And so we've invested really heavily in sort of our fraud monitoring and looking at the data and the interactions between customers and businesses and everything that happens up until the point where money moves. And um, it's been really rewarding for us. And I think the next year uh, is only going to be more so due to uh, what we've uncovered so far and the sophistication of these frauds. And we just know that, you know, title agents everywhere need help now more than ever. And we're really looking forward to being that partner to them. Well, thank you for, for getting on and educating us uh, about the issue and for what you guys are doing over there. Well, thank you, Lindsay. Really appreciate the time. And uh, yeah, looking forward to continuing to support however we can. This was a very eye-opening episode, and we want to thank Tyler and his team at Certified for sharing with us. You can find resources to learn more and get in touch with the Certified team by following the link in the episode description. This episode concludes our regular season of Title Talks, and we look forward to bringing you some special episodes centered around the state of the title report later this year. Until next time, I'm Lindsay Gordon. Happy closings.